Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson. And if you are a father who is ready to add another tool to your fathering toolbox, then you've come to the right place. And even though you know I specialize in the dad-daughter relationship, it's such a joy to hear from dads who say that these tools also work with their sons. And the reason for that is because it's all about you as a father becoming more equipped so that you can intentionally and consistently pursue the heart of your daughters and your sons. Well, I'm sure you've got the grid down by now, but it's on your mark. Get set, go. So I want you to picture yourselves as fathers standing side by side each other, ready to run your fathering race this week. And on your mark is the topic or the theme of the week. Get set. You're putting that theme or that topic into motion because you're understanding it in more detail. And then go as I end every show with a go step so that you can put your love for your kids into action. Well, today I have a friend joining me by the name of Sean Tice, and he started Life Factors Ministries in 2008 to spread hope to fatherless homes through spreading awareness, speaking, and creating resources, both for individuals and churches, such as the Fatherless Journey for Girls, the Fatherless Journey for Guys, and numerous children's books. They have also developed a mobile app and a website for the fatherless called God Is My Dad. This can be found at GodIsMyDad.com and on Apple and Google Play app stores. And Sean and his wife Jackie live in Florida with their three kids, nine-year-old Malachi, seven-year-old Titus, and three-year-old Blair. And she's a little redhead who is the love of his life, too. Not that all his kids aren't, but there's something about that daughter thing, and we're going to be talking about that today. So welcome, Sean. It's great to be here. Well, we met each other in Georgia a number of months ago, and we've been preparing for this day. And you and I talked about what we wanted to call this today, kind of our on your mark, which is from fatherless to fathering. And you're the founder of an organization that goes into every place possible, don't you, (laughs) to give hope and provide resources to fatherless kids and adults. And this has been birthed out of your story. So why don't we just start by talking about the broken home you came from? Can you just briefly set that stage today for our conversation by sharing some of your story? Yeah, sure. Uh, To make a long story short, um, my dad came home when I was about nine months old. Um, he kicked my mom and my uh, brother and my sister out of the house, but for some reason, he wanted to keep me the nine-month-old. And so uh, my mom was in a panic. She got a hold of the cops. The cops came, and my father demanded that he they, he gently hand me over to them. Hmm. Instead of doing that, he threw, threw me across the room to the cops. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful to this day that that cop could catch. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> But God's been taking care of me ever since then, and I was fatherless. I started my fatherless journey then. That was in my small town of central Pennsylvania where I grew up, and he moved back to Las Vegas, Nevada, just like a week later or a couple weeks later, um, and never came back. And so Mm. I grew up without a dad. And I had several people to step in and help me with a grandfather and mentors. And, and so we're trying to replicate that through our ministry um, in churches across America and trying to also provide resources directly to fatherless families. So it started out with a devotional book for fatherless teen guys, and it's turned into a whole ministry uh, where we travel and speak. We create resources and just try to – we also provide online training to pastors and stuff to help them with their um, with their ministries and, and locally to help them with reach the fatherless families and the single moms and the grandparents Mm -hmm. and the grandkids. Wow, isn't it it such a powerful and redemptive reality to know that God takes the broken part of our story and uses it to launch not only a ministry, but a way to touch other people who are stuck, perhaps, in that part of their story? 
So I, I just celebrate with you what you're doing. And at the same time, Sean, my heart like hurts with you to hear all that you've lived through, you know, things that weren't of your own doing, but that even gave you this label of being fatherless. Like, I know there's others listening who have the same story. So, right, fatherlessness is a big deal. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's statistically, there's, there's around 30 million fatherless children and teens uh, in our country alone. Wow. And that doesn't, obviously, that number doesn't include all the adults that are still struggling through those issues, you know, as uh, fathers now or mothers now. And so we're seeing a lot of this happening. It's, it's, it's a domino effect. With, you know, they, they, had, they were fatherless. My, my own dad was fatherless. And so they were fatherless, and then they made somebody fatherless, and then those kids are making somebody fatherless. Or even now today, they're they're having abortions. Uh, we're seeing a lot of fatherlessness being the uh, abortions being the direct result of fatherlessness. And so it's there's a lot of happening. It's it's our nation's number one social epidemic. Wow! Yeah, that domino effect from generation to generation. Sean, have you seen your dad? Then you talked about him leaving you as a baby. What's that look like since? Well, when I was 15 years old, I went out to Las Vegas to see my brother. My brother had moved out there uh, with him when he was 17, and I hadn't seen him for a long time. So we went out there, and we got to meet all a bunch of my dad's family because that's where he grew up. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet my dad um, at 15, adult. Yeah, 15 years old, first wow. time I met him. And he actually worked in an adult film store, um, and was just working. We went down and met him at the store. And now to, to clarify, the, the uh, store had the adult films in the back. Most of the stuff was in the back. And then the front of the store was um, fam- family-oriented videos. But it was mm-hmm. still like a, a, porn, a porn shop in the ghetto of Vegas. That's oh, my, my goodness. Dad. And it was an interesting experience. I was, I was still angry at him. Um, for, he used to beat my mom up all the time for the way he left, for never paying child support. But it was, when I first met him, it was like, I don't know how to explain it. It was, it was one of those things where I... I felt bad for him because he was such, you know, he was, he was kind of miserable. Mm-hmm. He looked like he just didn't, you know, so it was more of like my hatred turned into pity. And so it was an interesting experience when I was 15. Mm-hmm. So say more about what that was like. So you walk into the store, do you? And then you meet him, this man that, did he look like you? I mean, what was that interaction like when you first connected? Well, it was mixed emotions. I mean, I, I, I realized I was bigger than him. I was taller than him. And for years, I wanted to beat him up because of what he did to my mom, you know, as a natural boy, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> wanting to defend his mother. But then I saw him and I'm like, man, this guy just looks like he's a, an ad- he's a drug addict. He's an alcoholic. He's heavily addicted to porn, which has rotted his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been quoted it. He told my uncle one time, my uncle's a pastor in Las Vegas. He told him, he said, it's like demons are um, just rotting or in his brain, you know, mm-hmm. in his mind. And he can't get them out. So pornography just definitely ruins you and hurts you. Um, so it was more of a, it was weird. Um, but it was it also had the whole time I, I met my brother for the first time after several years, I met all his family. So the whole experience was, was awesome, but it was really strange too. Yeah. I can, um, I can all imagine. People. Yeah. All at yeah. once, kind of all this stuff converging inside you and outside of you. And, and also when I, when I met him, it was, and it was, it kind of reaffirmed it too that he there was no relationship ever going to be there. Um, I invited him over to my uncle's house, which is his little brother's, uh, for dinner the one night after we met him, and he didn't show up again. And it's like I came clear out from Pennsylvania to Vegas to 
you know, I met you and you're not even going to come across the city to come mm-hmm. see me. And so it just kind of confirmed when I was 15 that this guy has no interest in, in being my dad. Mm-hmm. And and he hasn't, he hasn't yet. I invited him to my, my wedding. I invited him to my college graduation and I'm not bitter at him. But I forgive him, but it was still one of those things where, okay, this guy's no interest. And so I had to just grow from that and learn from that. That I know God's my dad and God's going to take care of me, but I also had mentors that God brought in my life too. Wow. Say more about that, because I heard that in your intro that you were saying God brought mentors into my life. Even you mentioned your grandfather. Say more about that. Yeah, my grandfather, um, when I, right around my, my dad left, he took us on, um, took us in, just started spending time with us. Um, just, you know, always, he was a truck driver, so he'd bring us to the trucking company and we'd spend time there. And then when I was in second grade, I moved in with him. My mom moved into oh. another house and uh, I moved in with them. And, and it was and it was an awesome experience. Uh, he was always talking me up in front of his friends and bragging on me and spoiling me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, sometimes he would get, you know, he was old school. So sometimes he would discipline, <laughs> you know, it hurt, but he, uh, I knew he loved me still and he cared about me. Uh, but then he passed away when I was in sixth grade and then in seventh grade, I had a youth pastor that came to our church and he started mentoring me. And so I had him for a couple of years and a couple of youth leaders. It took me, one took me hunting. The other one let us come to his house and spend time. And then when I was 15, I had this guy named Jim, that I met and he basically became like a dad to me. And even to this day, it's been like 18 years, uh, over 18 years that I've been in a relationship, friendship, you know, father son relationship with him. Um, and my kids even call him gramps and they call his, his wife Granny dad, but there's no, no marriage relation, no blood relation, but it's just the fact that this guy started spending time with me. I started working for his company. I would go over to his house for dinner most nights and we just built this relationship where he, I knew he cared about me and cared about my best interests mm-hmm. and wanted to help me have success in my life. And so I've been blessed to have Jim and Deb and even their daughter, Mandy in my life. She's like a little sister to me. So that's, that's been my mentoring journey. And I'm trying to, as I said earlier, we're trying to replicate that in churches um, and trying to help people get involved in mentoring. And, and maybe it's just some listening to this that want to get involved in mentoring, but you think you're, you're too busy. I want to encourage you to do something. Um, I had a guy just take me uh, to go hunting with him. Mm-hmm. And he would take, he had two small boys of his own, but he would take me each year to go, he'd take me along hunting and we go deer hunting and he gave me the equipment I needed, got my gun sighted in. And it was just something that meant a lot to me as a fatherless child. So just find what you're good at and try to help others do the same thing. Even if you have your own kids, again, even my youth pastor, he had adopted five small children from the ages of kindergarten down. And wow. still took time to let my sister and I come to their house and spend time with them and see him and his wife operate as a married couple and, and stuff. And it was just, it was a big help to, to my life as a young teen boy. Obviously, you've got to protect your own kids and make sure it's, it's somebody that's not going to hurt your kids because there's some, some teenagers out there that have been abused and you don't want to let that around your small mm-hmm. children. Um, but you have to be careful and you have to know the situation and, and be watchful about it. But also, don't be afraid to, to help other kids that are around you that God brings into your life. Well, I know you travel the country, so you hear a lot of stories. You're talking to a lot of kids in schools and youth groups. And as you travel the country and hear these stories, do you hear a lot of stories, Sean, of fatherless kids who are invited into homes? Or is this really rare? No, there's, I mean, there's, there's approximately there's 10 million single moms in the United States. Um, and there's, there's tons of them. And yeah. when that single mom's not around, they end up having uh, the grandparents end up helping raise the grandkids. Um, I think there's, I don't have the number in front of me, but I think it's about 5.8 million grandparents raising the grandkids in the United States. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those are single grandmothers. Uh, it happens a lot where the grandfather 
just decides he doesn't want to be part of it or he's died or something. So there's a lot of people that are picking up the slack of this stuff and it's just, it's a, it's a big struggle. But then we also see the, the foster care system is ex- exploding. Um, but for, for every one kid, I don't have the exact number in front of me and don't quote me on this. Okay. But for every, I believe I believe it's for every one child in foster care. There's three or four children being raised by their a relative or a grandparent. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you, you hear the numbers of foster care, how they're exploding, and they can't find, just imagine how much more there are that are being raised by relatives or being raised by their grandparents. And it's just, I mean, it's happening all over the place. Yeah. Um, I was just at a youth conference, you were asking me, I was just at a youth conference speaking at it, and I asked, we were doing this prize wheel, and I said, you know, you're handing out information to teenagers. And some of the students I asked, my, my kids were running most of the exhibit table for me, they did a great job, <laughs> but... When I was out there, I'd ask you know, team, hey, do you know of anybody that can use this information? They're like me. And I had a couple of the kids I asked. And it's such a, it's still, even though I grew up fatherless, it's still stunning to hear kids say that because they say it in the tone of, I'm struggling through this, or I need help with this. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the tone they have. It's not like, oh, yeah, it's me, I'm fatherless. But yeah, we come across a lot of kids like this. Yeah, and you can hear what they're saying and not saying because you've lived it, you know? which is so powerful yeah. about your story. So, Sean, I was looking at your website, lifefactors.org, and you were saying on there that adolescent females between the ages of 15 and 19 years, here's how you said it, who are reared in homes without fathers are significantly more likely to engage in premarital sex than adolescent females reared in homes with both a mother and a father. Can you say more about that whole fatherless girls things looking for love in all the wrong places kind of dynamic well you know we, we see this in the, in the movie um frozen where mm-hmm. you know anna she was a a young girl that had lost her parents and and this this is happening a lot because a lot of guys can they go go after girls that, that are they can and, and, and not slamming teen guys or anything like that or, or trying to group them all into one thing but there's a lot of guys out there that are looking for vulnerable girls that are easier prey Mm-hmm. That they can go after, they can have sex with, that they can, um, you know, get them, control them. There's guys that want to find a girl that they can control because they feel like they might not be able to find a girl that, that wouldn't let them control them. So Anna on Frozen is a perfect example. She was easily controlled um, by, by the guy on there, Prince Hans of the Southern Isles. And so um, he's the perfect, this is the perfect example of what's happening with fatherless girls. They're, they're not getting loved at home by a dad, by a mentor, um, by a grandfather. So they're going to finding love in other places. Mm-hmm. Sadly, a lot of times the love that they're going after is guys that tell them, hey, I will love you, but you have to have sex with me. You have to do what I want you to do. And then they end up in this kind of an enslavement relationship where they think that guy's going to leave them too, just like their dad did. Yeah. And so they're trying to find security in him, but he's also using that because he knows and, and I've seen this many times. Um, we've seen this many times with different people we know and uh, mm-hmm. people we've worked with that they get in these relationships and they can't get out. And it's almost like they're brainwashed because they feel like they have to give their body. They have to give their mind. They have to listen to this guy. He owns me kind of thing. And that guy doesn't own, own him, but they feel like they do. So this is what's happening a lot. And that's one of the reasons why these girls are going into, and also they're looking for comfort too. Maybe it's not a guy that's manipulative, you know, manipulative, but he just wants to have sex. Um, you know, they're willing to give their bodies to them because they feel like that, that sense of security is coming through that sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing this a lot. And then it ends up in abortion many times 
where the girl's shamed, the guy's saying, hey, you need to get rid of this baby. Um, and so that's why that's one of the reasons why there's so much abortion in our country is because of fatherlessness. Wow. Yeah. Powerful story. Well, if you're just joining us, I'm talking with Sean Tice, and the title of today's show is From Fatherless to Fathering. So now let's dig into your story a little bit more, because I imagine with your fatherless background, Sean, that there was a bit of, you know, probably some fear, I would say a bit of fear heading into being a father yourself. Like, were you ever afraid you would repeat this generational pattern in your family when it came to fathering? Yeah, and there was, there was two as you're talking to me, there's two things I thought of. Um, one of them was with, with alcohol. My dad was an alcoholic and I was always afraid if I drank alcohol that I would end up being an abusive alcoholic like my father was. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons I've, I've never drank alcohol. I've never touched a drop of it because um, I didn't want to, I didn't know if I had that addictive gene and I didn't want to be an angry drunk like my father. And so I was, I was very afraid of alcohol as a young, a young kid. I've always been afraid to touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want to hurt my wife and my kids like my dad did to us. And then also I had one time I had a professor in college tell me that I was going to end up just like my dad. He actually <laughs> he told me, you that. Said that to me. Yeah. Yeah. He, he said that to me because, um, and it was because I wanted to move out of the dorms in our college and move into an apartment. And, um, uh, how does that go that was, together? That why, yeah. That was why I'm going to move end up like my dad. And, it hurt me. Those words hurt me. I talked to him later on about that, but it was definitely something that I struggled with for years. And I didn't, I didn't like the guy for a long time after that. Cause I'm, I'm not, you know, I knew I was going to be like my dad. I was going to be different than mm-hmm. my dad. I don't even know my dad. So why would I end up like him? So. Right. Right. And I think so many people perhaps like you have made that resolve or that decision inside themselves not to be like the parent that hurt them, abandoned them, abused them. And yet they do end up following in their footsteps. So I think you're giving hope, I believe, just through your story, Sean, to say you don't have to repeat the generational pattern that was handed to you. And like you, in I love you saying God is my dad because you're saying I've been reparented, refathered. So how has being a dad to your daughter been different than to your two sons, all without a fathering template, so to speak? Well, one of the things that I love about growing up with Fatherless, which is kind of weird to say that. Yeah. <laughs> to say that you love about being fatherless, but the fact that I don't have to be because a lot of dads you see out there, a lot of times they're repeating the way their father was, um, and they're doing the same stuff that their exactly. father did. But when you don't have a dad to show you how to be a dad, you get to learn from all the good dads out there. And so, which you should. I mean, you should be trying to. If you have, you pick up bad habits from other guys that haven't been good dads. Get rid of those things and look for other dads to model. And mm-hmm. so I, I love how I can go and find things. Um, like I was just speaking at a church um, up in Indiana this past Sunday. And Sunday morning, and I was sitting in the Sunday school class just listening to this guy teach. And so one of the things that he did was give his sons a uh, coin that talked about integrity. And he had the sons carry him around, carry this coin around with them. So when they would see it, it would remind them, I need to be a man of integrity. Mm. And I just thought that was really, I thought that was really cool. Cause I'm like, and, and I learned from that guy. I didn't even know that guy, but he was the Sunday school teacher at this church. Um, and I get to learn from him that that's something I want to do for my boys now. Right. And so that's the same thing with, with, with that, you know, being a dad to my, my boys is learning from other men, you know, how, what are you doing good with your sons mm-hmm. and implementing that in my, and then also with my daughter too, learning how to be. And I, I and that's the awesome thing about social media too. And, you know, social media can be used bad where we, we get envious of people and jealous and, mm-hmm. and judge people and stuff. But there's also good things on social media where we can see like all oh, the daddy daughter dates this guy took with his, his daughter. Um, 
I can learn from those things. And I pick some of those things up from social media where, you know, I want to make sure that I date my daughter until she leaves the home. And so she knows that, you know, and I actually take dates with my sons too, but so that she knows that I, or how to, how to be treated by a man right. and how she should be treated and yeah. how she should be loved. And, and I'm learning a lot of that stuff from watching people, not just on social media, but other relationships. And so it's definitely helping. I love having a blank canvas to be honest with you, because it's just, Oh, okay. I like that. I'm going to take that, <laughs> put that idea up. Well, I, as I hear your story, Sean, I love how intentional you are in this fathering journey. It sounds like you don't let a, let a day pass where you're not dialed in and saying, I want to be an intentional dad today investing in my kids. I mean, wow. Talk about changing the trajectory of your family history. So, Sean, what steps would you say you've taken now that equip you to be a dialed-in dad to your kids? Well, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm still... I'm learning as a dad. It's a daily process, and I, I often feel like a failure. I'll just be honest with you, transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I believe that's the enemy, too. Many times Satan wants us to feel like that. But and thanks we, for we admitting it, though. You know, you're being yeah, honest. Yeah. Exactly. And so some of the things that I do, though, um, every morning I spend time in prayer and Bible study and trying to make sure that I'm equipping myself. I fill myself up with fuel for the day and making sure that I can be you know, the good dad that I need to be. I can be the husband I need to be. But also the cool thing is my kids get to see me doing that every morning. They see me praying. They see me reading God's word. They see me studying and they get, and trying to go as a Christian because I want to model that in front of them. Um, also every night, you know, we, we make sure that we uh, pray with them. Um, you know, and, and the thing is some nights are long. Some nights are late. I'm a youth pastor too right now. Mm-hmm. And so some nights are, are late nights. And so we'll be coming home at 11 o'clock at night from an activity or something. But even on the way home, we just we make sure we take that time to pray. And so we'll just we'll all pray in the car together, every single one of you. My daughter, she prays just a short little prayer. She's only three years old. And sometimes she just says a sentence. Hmm. But we all make sure we pray. And then and then we also we'll usually we'll leave a family verse that we go over, but we also We'll just think of a verse if we're just driving in the car and something we can meditate on together. Just think about, you know, just Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. Mm-hmm. And then we, we ask questions about that. But if we're home, we have devotionals and we make sure we, we're making sure God's the center of our home. Yeah. Um, we also, uh, you know, we're transparent as much as we can with our kids. We, you know, we don't tell them everything, but we, we try to make sure that we share things with them to help them grow as a person. You know, if I'm, I'm mean to their mom, you know, I try to make sure that, hey, daddy shouldn't act that way with mom. Mm-hmm. You know, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have talked to mommy that way. And I'm sorry, guys, I shouldn't act like that. Because, I mean, let's just be honest. Married couples are going to fight. Right, <laughs> they're gonna, right. They're, they're going to have struggles. So just being transparent, like, hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't act like that. Um, and we already talked about daddy date nights. You know, just making sure you're doing that, having daddy date nights. And one of the things is making sure you're protecting your kids from from this world. I mean, there's stuff on TV that's trying to manipulate your children, and we try to make sure that we protect our kids from that. We have a TV guardian that blocks that language. We have, uh, you know, we, we try to make sure we're careful in what we watch, just because I know that, you know, the devil has an agenda, and he wants to hurt our kids, even through innocent movies. There's things we have to be careful with, and mm-hmm. so just trying to protect them as much as we can. And the last thing I want to say is um, tell them you love them as much as you can often as you can stay it every day, a couple several times a day and also give kiss them. Don't try to be too much of a man where you're like, I can't kiss my daughter or my son, kiss those kids, give them, give them love and affection and, and, and tell them you love them. It's not weird to do that. They need to know that you love them and care about them. Even the boys need to know that. Exactly. And make sure you, make sure you do that. Be intentional about it. Woo-hoo! Listen to Sean, everybody follow his lead. Well, <laughs> what would you tell dads listening who have come from a broken home 
and maybe find themselves responding to their kids unintentionally, but out of that place of their own woundedness and brokenness and pain. What would you tell them about a way not to keep repeating the generational pattern that they grew up with? Well, I would say that um, obviously it starts with God, you know, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and trusting mm-hmm. Jesus as your Savior. You know, it, you have that's that's the most important decision you could ever make. If you want to change as a dad, if you want to change as a husband, if you want to change in life, if you want to have happiness in life, it's trusting in Jesus as your Savior. It's all credit in my life goes to Jesus. It's all through Jesus that I've been able to yeah. do anything, and He's helped me the whole way through. And I'm still struggling. I still yeah. struggle along the way. Yeah. But he helps me every day to get back on my feet and serve him. There you go. Well, I end every show with a go step. So, Sean, what is one practical way that you would encourage dads today to invest positively in their daughters and their sons, whether or not they had a broken home? Either way. Okay. I would say pray and read your Bible with your kids, Um, either whether it's a breakfast, whether it's a night, sometime for, you know, Two to five minutes, whatever you can do. Okay, so not a lot. Longer, You're saying shorter. this is practical. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. It's not to make some to make commitment. You can go to the YouVersion app and, and look at the daily verse, the verse of the day, on uh, the YouVersion app on the phone, and just take that verse and say, "Hey, let's read this." I mean, just do something that brings God into your home. There you and go. That will be a habit. It'll be a life changing habit for your kids and and for you too. Oh, that's powerful. Well, you've been listening today to Sean Tice, and On Your Mark today has been from fatherless to fathering, and you've heard his story. You can go to his website at www.lifefactors.org. You can get more information from him on his website. As always, you can write to me at drmichelle@thedadwhisper.com. Let me know how you're doing. You can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com and find free resources, or you can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blogs. Well, it's been a joy to have you here today. Dads, get out there today and intentionally and consistently love your daughters and your sons. Go Dads! 